rise up, young man. Rise up, young lady. You are not alone. No matter what you're going through, it is going to pass. You're going to come out the other side. Keep shining. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of You Are Not Alone podcast by Mamba Inspire Brand. Like the title suggests, the purpose of this podcast is to help people out there who are going through unimaginable struggles know that they are not alone and believe that they will come out on the other side. Hello, hello, good morning, good morning bro, how are you? I'm good man, how are you? Good, good. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for giving us your time. It's another day, another beautiful day. We have my boy Ayan Karamali with us today. He's he's an amazing person, man. Every time I listen to your story, I'm like, how do you do what you do? It's like you're just into so many stuff, right? Yeah, I'm all over the place. Yeah, especially <laughs> as a also one other thing is I know you are a Terry Foundation scholar, mm-hmm. and to be a Terry Foundation scholar, you have to have an amazing story, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know all of it yet, but I want to dig into that a little bit. Oh, see, sure. really like who are you who who's the iron what what make the iron so motivated to get things done here mm-hmm. today right so thank you so much for giving us your time of course first of all I'm glad to be here yeah i know it's 8 a.m but we had to get it today is a crazy day man definitely so let's start by you telling us a little bit about yourself um so obviously i'm a student here at yeah uh, you mentioned Terry's Scholar. I'm really proud of that. Um, I study mechanical engineering mm-hmm. and humanities um, here. My humanities degree is mostly like international studies, so international business, international governments. Um, uh, I like to chase a lot of independent projects. I think we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Yeah. Um, other than that, I have a couple of hobbies. I really like film and television. I like hiking. Definitely. Um, and feel like I'm a lifelong learner so I love you know teaching myself and learning new things definitely 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 so you grew up in Austin mm-hmm. right you grew up here in Austin with your sister and uh, your parents what was growing up like um growing up was I think a pretty typical South Asian um story mm-hmm. um I really enjoyed growing up in Austin I think it really shaped who I've become, um, just being in a city that's really independent. Um, so I got to gain a lot of independence really early on. Um, uh, and, you know, being from Austin and still living in Austin, mm-hmm. you know, having a really good grasp of the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, is there anything specifically? <laughs> what would you say, uh, what would you say was the, some of the hardest thing in, let's say high school? So the high school I went to, I really actually loved, even though I complain about it a lot. Um, (laughs) It wasn't like one of the best schools. I went to Conley High School. Um, It was generally the least funded in our district and not a, you know, school known for its academics. Um, So I did a lot of extracurricular activities in uh, high school. Mm -hmm. Um, Debates. yeah, I did. You did a lot of debates. I did debate, like science Olympiad. Did you HOSA. compete? Yeah, I competed in everything. 
the thing was, I think the hardest thing was our school didn't give us a lot of resources, okay, especially for these academics. Like my last two years of debate, uh, we didn't even have a debate coach, so mm -hmm. I taught the debate classes, um, science Olympiad. We weren't given a big enough budget to, you know, compete with bigger schools. So our teams were always smaller mm -hmm. um, and competing against, you know, much bigger schools. Yeah, those big, like rich schools. Plano from Sugarland. Yeah. Um, so that was always difficult. So it really put me in this mentality to be, you know, competitive and get things done on my own. I see that in you a lot. I feel like whatever you do, you want it to be the best, right? And, and sometimes, even when working in group, you tend to like, I need to make sure, this is on me to make sure that this has to be, this is the best uh, thing ever. Um, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So you grew up in a household where uh, I'm not sure your family came from India, right? So my mom's from India and my dad's from Pakistan. Pakistan, okay. And I'm assuming that you, I, th I think you said talked about this that you are first generation student. Yeah, I'm a first generation student. Yeah. So being in yeah, go ahead. Yeah, my parents moved uh, right after they got married. Actually, my dad had been living in the U.S. for um, you know some time before he got married, and then my mom had never you know been to America until she moved here so okay so being growing up in a home as a first generation student where did you get like uh, did you feel like education is a privilege or a expectation were you expected to go out there and be the best student or it's like man I'm glad I'm given the opportunity to go and get an education you know it was a little bit of both um, different times like obviously um, I'm South Asian, so there's a lot of expectation, right? Like the idea was, you know, you got to be the high achieving student, make mm -hmm. sure you're getting all A's. But at the same time, as I, you know, developed, I learned more and more that it's a privilege. And I never disliked school ever since elementary school. I've really been fascinated with math and science, mm -hmm. hence why I'm doing engineering now. But, you know, I told my third grade teacher one day I was going to be a lawyer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, what did rather, she say? She was like, okay, that's, that's cute, honey. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I never really understood why, like even at an early age, why you couldn't do everything. Like why you couldn't be an astronaut, why you couldn't be a lawyer, why you couldn't be a mathematician all at the same time. Wow. When, when did you get that, that awareness though? Because in a home, you grew up as a first generation student. It's not like your parents were t talking to you about that. Where did you know that there is, there is that astronaut, there is those lawyers, there is those doctors, you could be any of them. Like, where did you know that? Um, so I think my dad really wanted me to be a lawyer very yeah. early on. Um, so I think that's where maybe that desire had come from. But I mean, over time, I, I had taken that to be um, kind of my own mm -hmm. uh, undertaking. Um, but the desire to just do a lot of things just came from, you know, I think having interest in a lot of things, being exposed. I've always been a really curious mm -hmm. person and a really curious child. So every time I got exposed to something, I get really excited about it, I, th I think. Um, and I don't think that excitement ever, like, waned or faded. Um, so, you know, you just kind of maintain, like, excitement on all of these different subjects. Um, and I think I, think I found... I've come to find a good balance. I think a lot of times I've, you know, probably overwhelmed myself because mm -hmm. I'm chasing too many things. Definitely, I was always worried about being, you know, um, like, all, you know, very scattered place. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes you got to, I feel like, when you have so much passion, you know, you don't want to let any, any of that go and you want to, 
you just want to get in whatever idea that come in your mind you want to try you want to see where you are right I, i think it's part of growing like uh, i like it so you mentioned that your dad is from pakistan and your mom from uh, india do you remember when they came to the us and how hard it was for them to adapt and get jobs and stuff like that what's so, that story so they came uh, probably um a year after they got married and about a year after I was also oh, wow. born right so my they mom came together yeah wow so um my dad had already been living in the US right he had been hustling um you know making a life for himself here but you know everything changed when you know you get married and you have a kid yeah. um so my mom came from India uh not knowing any English at all right um so she learned English with us like going to elementary school like we taught mom a lot of english wow. she also wasn't vi- she comes from a very small village like a, a village of less than like 5000 people i think um and so it's a very big difference and austin was a very different place 22 years ago um, yeah you're right it's a much smaller right. place much more scattered place um so i think they had their own challenges i mean my dad hustled a lot i think that's what, what's that hustle what you mean cuz i see that hustle in you and i'm sure you learned it from somebody like what, what? probably my dad you know he um has always been an entrepreneur you know he's always wanted to be very independent so he essentially um creates his own path a lot of times so creating his own stores, creating his own businesses, his own restaurants. Yeah. And I saw at times, you know, he was running like seven businesses. Wow. Like, you know, how do you have the energy for that? And you know, I think I get a lot of, you know, my projects um being in you know, five different seven different projects at the same time from, you know, seeing my dad hustle in those ways. Definitely. 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 And I'm I'm sure being the being that the uh, provider of the family had to find a way to make sure so yeah. it's just when you, when you need something you find a way to get it done yeah i think um when i was young i was you know upset a lot of times that my dad you know didn't i felt like my dad didn't have like time for me mm-hmm. you know but he was hustling on all these projects so you know you when you grow up you kind of understand that a little bit definitely uh, more and you appreciate it oh like, yeah wow Yeah, you, you come to appreciate it more and more as you get older, especially how when you see how hard the world actually is. Definitely. And same thing about me. When I grew growing up in Guinea, I grew up seeing my father as a doctor mm-hmm. spending all his time at the hospital, mm-hmm. right? Trying to save as many lives as possible. And sometimes like, well, I never see him, right? He come back. Yes, he sit in the dinner table sometime whenever he get a chance and li- listen to us uh play with us a little bit but most of the time he was he was taking all nighters at the hospital and stuff like mm-hmm. that now i look back i'm like wow Respect. i want to be like him yeah. <laughs> right i want to be even though I, then i was like why why he's not at home but now it's like wow that's i want to be like him i hope i can be like him you know yeah. what i mean but i mean i've he's come to find and i think i've come to find that the important thing is to you know strike a balance like you you know want to work hard you want to play hard you want to find time for family definitely so from from uh, high school growing up to going to college i'm sure that was uh that was a big jump right what what you got one of the best scholarship in the world right mm-hmm. it gave you the ability to go to school for free mm-hmm. 
what did that mean to you at the time? Without that scholarship, what would you have done? Um, I think I'm I'm grateful that um, you know my parents have always said that they would find a way to pay for my university because education was very important to them. So I don't know exactly what path I would have taken had I not gotten the scholarship. Um, but I think it made it very easy for me to say, "Hey, look, this UT is a great university. I've gotten into a great program, mm -hmm. getting it for free." I think it really um, has given me the opportunity to think about further education mm -hmm. more than I think I would have had I not gotten a substantial scholarship. Um, you know, it's a blessing to graduate debt free, and I, I owe a lot of it to my parents, even if. They're not paying directly for my tuition. They were definitely the support behind, you know, my academic endeavors. Definitely. How was adapting here at UT when, once you got here? I know we came here. We came here together the same year, and uh, uh, Terry, all Terry scholars were supposed to be in the same dorm room, right? We were in that eighth floor, ninth floor, yeah, right. Even though they gave us that community, but we still had some. We still had trouble adapting. Mm -hmm. How was that adaptation for? So I think it was a little bit weird for me being from Austin. Um, I'd always, my goals were always to get out of Austin. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'm always a very curious person. I love to travel. I love to put myself in new places. So a little bit of me was um, not upset, but you know, taken back that I had to stay in Austin. And I felt like I had already had a substantial amount of experiences here. Um, I think that changed over time, especially going from freshman to sophomore year mm -hmm. to junior year. And, um, you know, it was kind of a roller coaster. Sometimes I felt a lot of times that I wish I'd gotten out of Austin. Sometimes I was really grateful that I was still here. Yeah. Um, but it was also a balance of, you know, being so close to home, you have to balance, you still have to balance family obligations. Definitely. Right? If you're, you know, from, even from Dallas, you know, you go home on the weekends um, or, you know, you go home once a month. Um, the expectation being, you know, your family being in Austin and, you know, being close to your family is that you're going to continue to do your family responsibilities in addition to your um, Definitely. college responsibilities and academic responsibilities. Definitely. You, you talked about traveling. I know you traveled to so many countries since, yeah. uh, especially with having that uh, amazing fund for Terry scholarship, but also your hustles but can you talk a little bit about your traveling times the different countries that you went and where was the most beautiful place you ever been oh, okay um i think the places i've been have been really diverse i think right now if, if if i'm counting correctly i've traveled to maybe 23 or so countries take or um you know give or take wow um so i've traveled substantially in south asia and i think i got to do that mostly because um, I was traveling, I was uh, studying abroad in Singapore. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Singapore? Yeah. Wow. I, I, That's an I was, amazing city. I think that I love Singapore, and I think um, it was probably the best time of my life in Singapore. Mm -hmm. um, I met an amazing group of friends. I met my girlfriend there, um, and I got to travel to you know all these Southeast Asian countries uh, multiple times. Um, and the food was amazing. And honestly, it was, I had very high expectations. Yeah. But, you know, Singapore ex exceeded all of my expectations. Definitely, um, man. Thanks to my girlfriend, too. I've got to travel substantially in Europe, which 
she's incredibly smart so she knows like you know the best places to go yeah. she knows all the history and stuff so i think you know her being a traveling buddy has substantially um changed the way i travel like, <laughs> you know made definitely you have love with it now yeah yeah and it's enhanced like all of my travel experiences in europe yeah you asked what's the most beautiful place i've been i think yeah. probably hawaii okay i i've you you went to hawaii Yeah, I Man, I should go there, bro. <laughs> you definitely should. I yeah. I think it's of all my travels, it's still probably the most beautiful place. Yeah. Wow. Talking about traveling and in love, right? That's amazing, bro. Traveling with your partner. You talked about uh So one thing I I'm, I was wondering is that I lost my train of thought. You, so you went to Estonia, right? Mm-hmm. That's one of the. That's where you're. Uh, oh, this is it exactly. So you decided to learn a language mm-hmm. because of your, you say your girlfriend, right? Yeah, I mean, what language is it? Uh, so I'm learning Russian, right? Russian, now. okay. Yeah. How was that? How was that? Why did you decide to do that? Um, so I've always enjoyed learning language. Actually, that's not true. I've not always enjoyed <laughs> learning languages. Um, I think. I actually got this passion when I started university that um you know I've always loved culture mm-hmm. so not why why not like learn love languages and Definitely. so I took you know three semesters of Arabic here at UT um and that's like the first time I think I really learned how to learn a language mm-hmm. uh and then I thought why not you know teach myself languages so whenever I was traveling um you know I'd pick up pick up a couple of words and try mm-hmm. to use them as much as I could So um I was working in Estonia um over the summer and Estonia's population is about 25 to 30% Russian. So okay. there's a substantial amount of Russian speakers. So I you know really enjoyed the language and I enjoyed you know picking up those few words or phrases. So I figured you know I would do a deep dive into <laughs> the language. I'm still right. not very good. I'm still a very elementary yeah. level. But, but the fact that you chose Russian, that means you are committed because that's a hard language to learn. Yeah, I mean, so is Arabic. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of hard languages yeah. and easy languages. I don't let the like hard scale um, scare you. Scare you. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So let's jump back to school. You are in so many stuff, right? Can you summarize <laughs> for us like what kind of things you're doing? I know you're doing research. You are part of Double Women Relief Initiative, providing feminine hygiene product to women in underprivileged countries. Yeah, so at at risk of just like listing off things from my resume, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think uh, so. We're Women's Relief Initiative with you. Um, you know, we're developing this biodegradable sanitary pad. I think it's probably one of my most meaningful commitments. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the opportunity to write my thesis on foreign direct investment, which is a topic I'm, you know, very interested in, really passionate about, and I think I have a really great thesis advisor. Um, I'm also writing doing my engineering capstone project, uh, which was wow. assigned to to us. Um, I won't bore you with the details, but it's essentially a device that uses the electrophoretic process to enhance carbon fibers. Mm. Um Uh, and then I'm TAing a global marketing course, um, which has been a lot of fun. Actually, I get to yeah. interact with students, talk wow. about case discussions, and hopefully lead some lectures. Wow! 
it's crazy how you and me, this is our last semester, we're taking six hours, but it's like, oh, busier we than filled ever. it up. Yeah, we yeah. filled it up with other things. That's amazing. In addition to that, though, you're still hustling. Yeah. First of all, you've been hustling by judging debates mm -hmm. for the past few years and making money off of that. Many people think hustling is about uh, just working, working so many hours and stuff, but sometimes it's just about picking jobs, freelancing, like picking up here, here, and making money out of it, right? Fast, fast money. But you also decided to start with your dad, your own uh, liquor shop, right? Yeah. So we we uh, started Monarch um, Liquor uh, in Central East Austin, which has been a really great location for us. Where is it? Let people know where it is. Uh, it's on East MLK. East MLK. Chicken. Yeah. Okay, Chicken. It's a, it's a great location. It's very close to campus. Um, and honestly, I think that's one of the biggest things we have going for us. Um, so Starting a store and having three employees. Yeah. About, wow. Um, yeah, and it's been a great experience. Um, also, you know, working with my dad, I've, I've been, you know, helping my dad with his businesses for, you know, as long as I can remember since wow. you know, I was probably in like elementary or middle school, you know, starting just small, small things and, you know, working like, you know, substantially more. Um, in his businesses. So getting to, you know, start a venture with him has been really interesting. You know, um, you have to focus on so many different aspects. You know, when you start from scratch, there's so many different avenues that you have to explore that you have to make sure you cover your bases on. Mm -hmm. So I've learned a lot from him, and I think he's learned a lot from me in the process. Definitely. Um, and it's been really great. That's amazing. That's amazing. So I know you don't, you don't identify yourself as an entrepreneur because you're just a hustler, right? It's there is that juicy kind of feeling about it. But you are an entrepreneur, bro. Like, uh, you be the yeah, fact I that mean, you come up with ideas and you you've been working in different things, just making your own ways. That's entrepreneurship. What does entrepreneurship mean to you? I think, um, I mean, entrepreneurship means a lot. I mean, it means independence. It means carving your own path. But more than being an entrepreneur, I think being an entrepreneur is fine and all. I would like to be an innovator. Mm -hmm. So I want to take these industries and figure out, you know, different practices, the best way to optimize it. I don't want to, you know, stick to a script generally. Wow, that's a good point. Okay, so tell me more about the difference between entrepreneurship and innovate, innovators. I mean, so an entrepreneur is very respectable. and I mean, I'm... I'd love to count myself as an entrepreneur. But my eventual goal, the reason I have all these eclectic experiences is, you know, they got to come together in some way. Mm. So you use this curiosity, you use these skills and experiences to see which field you're in and, you know, make a, a change in that field. I hate the term disrupt mm -hmm. um, because I think it's just used so much in all these startups, they want to disrupt the industry. Disrupt the industry, yeah. But, like, to make significant, meaningful changes, I think that's the reason I'm interested in, you know, so many different things um, because I've, you know, come to admire innovators in almost every field, right? The reason I love science is because of, you know, learning about the innovators, learning about, you know, the people who discovered, uh, the people who came up with all these inventions, all Definitely. these discoveries, um, or any, any field for that matter, you know. Definitely. It's the innovators who are remembered, it's the innovators who, you know, 
allow society to progress. I think what we're doing with the sanitary pad is innovating, right? Like yeah. we're coming up with a new process to create a biodegradable process. Definitely. And it's like the difference between just leaving an impact and leaving a legacy, mm-hmm. right? When you innovate, you are leaving a legacy, something that you did and it's not, it cannot be changed. You already did it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to remember that you need to do some societal good with mm-hmm. your innovation too, right? There's a lot of things you can innovate um, for personal gain, um, which is fine. But at, at the same time, if you have some kind of talents, um, some kind of vision, then at least innovate a little bit for other people. Bro, I feel like any innovation that have been so last long-lasting that have made so many impact is innovations for people, right? No ma- I don't care how rich you are or how what's, how amazing your idea is. If it's not for people, I don't think it's going to be big, right? Because first of all, the challenges you have to go through in order to innovate something, you need something bigger than you to motivate you. And the only thing that can be bigger than you is when your why is for somebody else, not for you. I think that's a fair enough point. I do think that there are people out there who are, you know, thinking about not what they can do for you, but how they can use you yeah. uh, in their innovation process. Um, I don't think it's going to last. Those well, kind of innovations won't last long. I think that's a, a conversation for a different <laughs> time. But <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. So going back to when you were uh, three years old in third grade, your oh, teacher, yeah. you say you're going to be a lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you came to college. You got the opportunity. You you took your LSAT, right? Mm-hmm. So so you prepared to be to be a lawyer. You applied to law school and won that. But there were some changes in your mind about what you want to do in life. How's that came about? I think it comes back to this idea that at this point, I kind of want to be more sure. Mm. Um, I've always been... I'm afraid of, you know, confining myself to one role, one position, one education. I think that's why I'm all over the place, you know. Mm. Um, What do you mean by afraid? um, Not necessarily, like, scared, but um, I'm hesitant, too, Mm -hmm. I would say. Um, Just because I've always had this curious nature and I don't want to be relegated to one position Mm. or um, one task. Um, not saying that lawyers do that or the law profession I would you know, go into or law school would do that to me. Um, but if I go to law school, I want to make sure that it's the right choice. Mm. Um, and I want to make sure that I'm sure that I want to do this. Um, I've always been interested in the higher education. I thought law school was going to be that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as I've learned more about other kinds of higher education, they've started to interest me more. So it's not saying that I'm not going to go to law school, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely going to wait until I make the proper choice. Exactly. So what are, what are, what are, what's the other alternative that you're looking into? What's the other things that's interesting you right now? Um, I think they're, because I, I guess you've typecast me as an entrepreneur, I am interested in business. Yeah. Um, so any kind of you know business school. Um, I'm also interested in public policy. Mm-hmm. So um, schools that are you know public affairs foreign affairs um, I very much inst- enjoy studying 
you know, countries, international studies. Definitely. So if I can find a program, I think that, you know, fits a lot of my um, niches, mm-hmm. I think that would be the program. And honestly, I'm not just looking at programs in the U.S. I would really love to, you know, you know, take a master's degree or a PhD abroad. Yeah, yeah. Bro, so we talked about you traveling, spending a lot of time traveling, but also you did so many other things like uh, working for the Daily Texan here, right? Yeah. In the Daily Texan, being a, a journal, journalist, like mm-hmm. a writer, right? You you did work at the Capitol too, right? No, I didn't work at the Capitol. Okay. I did some lobbying at the Capitol lobbying. when I was okay. like younger, but it, I never worked at the Capitol. Okay. You, you, you just took so many different jobs, not just in your major as a mechanical engineer, but you went so many different pathways. What was your mentality when you came? Was it like, whatever I'm interested in, I need to learn about it? And True, I think... Because uh, many people focus on resume building. What's me- I mean, mechanical engineering, what can help mechanical engineering? But you went out the way. You, you decided to learn as many things as you're interested about. Yeah, I think interest drove a lot of my decisions, right? So I wanted to see, is this a field for me? I, I feel like I have talents in a lot of you know small fields, um, but I also wanted to develop those talents and skills. Um, and I think a lot of these skills are actually very portable skills, right? mm-hmm. especially as we're developing as an undergraduate. Your, your classes can only teach you so much, mm. uh, even about your own field. Right? Like I'm taking these mechanical engineering classes and I'm learning a substantial amount of engineering principles, but I'm not really learning a substantial amount of ways to apply these principles, I feel. But in doing these extracurricular activities, such as writing for the daily texts, and you know, you develop some things called writing skills, mm. you develop ways of contacting researchers, talking to researchers in a way where you can extract meaningful information which, you know, translates to mechanical engineering, but it translates to almost anything else. If I was going to be a lawyer, I'd probably be doing, you know, very similar styles of writing, you know, learning different processes. Um, Working at a law firm, I got to tell if, you know, working at a law firm was what I wanted to do or something I would like to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and I got to experience what it's like, you know, to be a lawyer, to work on, like, projects like a lawyer. Yeah. Bro, you are the definition of why college is important. Because many people, when talking, many people talk about the fact that yes, college doesn't guarantee success, right? But you don't need to go to college to be successful. But one thing about college is that it gives you the opportunity to get out there, get out of your box, and try things and figure out what you really want, right? Mm-hmm. So many people come to college don't get that experience. Like you came, you get, got out of your box, and you learned so many things. Today, as a 22, 23 years old, right? 22 years old. 20 year old. Tw- yeah, 22, 22. 22 sorry. years old. <laughs> like you know so many things, right? Mm-hmm. And you have a better vision toward your life, right? But in order to do all of that, you need a why, right? There is a why that made you different from all the other students. There's a purpose that you. I'm sure there is the purpose that you have been using but also will need in the future as you're trying to do all these big things. Mm-hmm. What motivates you to wake up every day and go chase your dream? I think we talked a little bit about this, right? I'm a little bit hungry to innovate, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly 
um, where I want to innovate or uh, how I'm going to innovate, but like combining these experiences generally, looking at things from different perspectives, understanding different skills, different tasks, um, different ways of thinking is really how you come to uh, come up with new things. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's generally why I put myself through you know, various uh, tasks um, and projects because I want to learn more and I'm always hungry to learn. I think um, it it's a little bit cliche, but uh, I had this principal in elementary school mm -hmm. who used to tell us uh, if you didn't learn something new today, it was a day wasted. Yeah. Um, so I've always, you know, tried to learn at least one new thing every day. Definitely. Definitely. One thing that, man, that's an amazing answer. That's an amazing answer. So we about the end here, but one thing that I always want to talk about is mental health, right? Mm -hmm. So growing up, mental health, where I grew up in my culture, mental health is a taboo. Like we don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. So many minority students are not tough, to t are not, how to call it, uh, tough to talk about mental health. They don't know how to recognize it, right? Mm -hmm. Like me, I, I'm a victim in that. It's like when we cannot, I cannot accept that I have mental health issues no matter how like depression, I ignore, you know, you need mm -hmm. to just work hard, you need to happy. That's just in the kind of culture. But as I grew up, I've seen the effect of mental health. I mm -hmm. know it's real, right? Somebody who's mentally unhealthy doesn't mean that he's crazy or anything like that. It's, it's there, right? Did you have any mental health issues being here at UT? You know, I think there's a lot of times I've been dealing with stress. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't say there was ever extreme periods of depression. I, I did experience loss a couple of times as an undergraduate. Um, but I think I've always been lucky from a very young age to have, I think, somebody to talk to and my sister. Mm -hmm. um, you know, me and my sister have become very close. Um, and even at a young age, you know, we would uh, share with each other our feelings so I think having somebody to talk to in that way has been um, you know something that's been very good for my mental health I'm very overwhelmed a mm -hmm. lot of times you know I've gone through periods of insomnia mm -hmm. um, but having somebody to talk to has been you know a great relief and I've also been lucky that I've had a lot of really good mentors mm -hmm. um, that I've also been able to talk about that have helped me to, to solve a lot of my problems. Um, my girlfriend now, I feel like, is somebody I'm able to share a lot of my stresses with. So it's, you know, nice to have somebody who's there to listen. Definitely. Um, and I think having, making your own resources in addition to knowing what resources are around you is really important for mental health. And I don't, I don't mental health is not something I take lightly. Um, Especially if I recognize that some of my friends, um, some of my family might be going through something. Mm -hmm. You always want to see how you can help. help. Definitely. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Bro, thank you so much for giving us your time. So there you have it, people. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Mamba Inspire You Are Not Alone podcast. 
We have another great story next episode. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Twitter, and Instagram for updates. Look up Mamba Inspire.